I just spent two days at the show with little kids. And you need your match fitness up if you're going to be doing that. And I got to, uh, got to last night and I was like, you know what? Um, I am completely spent. Ever felt that? Just completely spent. The downpour crew are looking at me. Mike is nodding his head there from downpour last night. He goes, yeah, I, I remember last weekend. <laughs> I remember what it feels like to be completely exhausted. And uh, uh, just quickly, by the way, happy Mother's Day to all our mums. Did you all get a bouquet out the front? Brilliant. I love Mother's Day. Every year, Mother's Day lands at the show. Right, so every year it's a show. So every year I get to wander around the show and see something that I can get for my wife at the final hour. Because, you know, you're still there Saturday night, it's still open at 6 o'clock and you can be cruising around the show. But this year I was a bit more organised. I did what every wise husband did on Thursday because Friday's a show holiday. I snuck out to teacup designs and um, asked Tani what my wife would like for Mother's Day. So um, if you've been struggling over the last few years... Um, I said to Tani, has it been a bit, bit hectic here this morning? This is Thursday because Friday's a public holiday. I said, bit, 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 and she said, every husband has come in this morning. She said, <laughs> husband's like you, Pastor Shane. <laughs> i got no idea. So, no, it was great. It's always great and, uh, to do that. But I do love Mother's Day and just, just what it brings. And it's a, it's a, they put on a long weekend in Roma for Mother's Day, which is great. Uh, it, it's probably, being a mum is probably the toughest gig on earth I've decided. I've, I've sort of been around for a little while now and watched people do it. And I just think, you know what, it's just such a tough deal. It's one of those things where they never really prepare you, do they? They say, oh, this motherhood's a beautiful thing. And it is a beautiful thing. But there's a lot of times like two o'clock in the morning when you're changing a nappy or something. It's not a beautiful thing. And it's such... Uh, an important role that that our mums do, but it's it is it's one of the got to be one of the toughest gig, and but but and the reason not the reason for that, but one of the I suppose outcomes of that is that um, I think God has done this because when you become a mum, it sort of does the strangest things to women. I think when they become a mum, stuff changes in their hearts and in their. I want to read you a little story I, I read somewhere a while back. Um, about a lady in South America, and I just thought this 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 story just summarizes the, to me the mums that I've sort of, that I've sort of known and associated with over the years. And anyway, anyway, this this there was this this mum I suppose ooh, members of in South America, and they're like living up, you know. Uh, oh dear, what's going on here? All the mornings for that to play up. Just get me back. I'll just tell you the story because I know what happened. <laughs> there was this, this, this tribe in South America, right? And it was one of these lowland tribes. And this was going back a number of years. And a highland tribe came and attacked this tribe. And, you know, they took all their possessions and, and they just decimated these people. And they, they took obviously took some of their kids. And, and this mother's baby was taken in the attack. And so obviously she's devastated and she goes to the, to the men of the tribe. She's like, you know, my baby's been taken. We must go, you know, up to the highlands and get this baby back. And like, you've got to be kidding. You know, these guys, on our turf, we got beat up. You know, there's no way, true story, there's no way we're going up on their turf, up there for that. I'm sorry. And so this mother, a true story, so she sets off and she's gone for two days and two nights. And then, she, then anyway, after two days and two nights, she arrives back in, in the camp with her, um, with her child. And, yeah, thank you for that. Um, back in the camp with her child. And, and they're like, what happened? You, how did this happen? How, what, what, what possessed you to go up there? And how, how did you get back with your baby? And she says, it was my baby. 
it was my baby. And she was so motivated to go and do that for her children and bring them back when nobody else would. And I think that says a lot about mums, doesn't it? They're the ones that are going to do something when nobody else would. And it's amazing. I think the selflessness of a mother knows no bounds. And I I think obviously this morning it's Mother's Day and thinking about mums and whatever. And the Bible is full of legendary women, isn't it? If you ever read any of the book, you'll find out that there's a lot of legendary women in the Bible. And, you know, some of the more famous ones, people like Esther, who at the the risk of her own life challenged a king and uh, got a good result there. There's this lady, a lesser known lady, um, Abigail in the the Bible, um, in the book of Samuel. And uh, she was married to this lunatic, basically. And David, the warrior king, who some of you might know, David, fought Goliath, whatever. Well, after he'd killed Goliath and then him and his, his mates were sort of cruising around pillaging the land and uh, they sort of protected this guy, um, Abigail's husband, who's a bit of a lunatic. And they rocked up one day a bit hungry and said, look, you know, we're pretty hungry. Would you just spare us a few sheep? It was shearing time. They all had the sheep in. They didn't even have to go out the paddock and get one. And, and um, Nabal, I don't know how to pronounce it, Nabal, something like that, is, um, is Abigail's husband. He's like, nah, don't think so. Not this time, David. I don't know you anything. And David was the sort of guy you don't say that to. And so David and his mighty warriors are headed to basically wipe out any, any like evidence that this guy ever lived. And Abigail goes out to David and, and she rescues her family and her stupid husband and whatever else. And um, so, you know, this Abigail lady, it's another very brave woman, you know, went and did that on behalf, you know, to save her family. Deborah, another great lady from the Old Testament, delivered Israel because no man at the time was prepared to, a bit like our South African story, South American story. But you also have in the Bible, obviously, the other side of the coin, uh, women that come to mind, Delilah. You might know about Delilah. Uh, She brought down the strongest man that ever lived. Jezebel, another great woman from history, led the nation of Israel into idol worship. And I often think of the wives of Solomon because it talks about the wives of Solomon. This is the power of woman. um, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, right? And it says in the Bible that he's he's the wisest guy that ever lived. And his wives... um, I suppose, encouraged him to bring idol worship back in Israel. They're very persuasive at times. So there's the other side of the coin as well, uh, women, legendary women from the Bible. But today we're talking about mums, and I thought, why not ask this question? I love asking good questions. Who do you reckon was the greatest mum in the Bible? What a good question. Who was the, There's a lot of them in there, you know, 6,000 years of history or whatever. There's a lot of epic mums in there, but who was the greatest you know, Moses' mum maybe, Jochebed, she recognised there was something different about her child and, and uh, she was blessed to the Lord. So she, she um, puts Moses in this little reed, but she tries to rescue. When they're killing all the baby boys, she, try, she rescues at the risk of her life again, rescues her son. And then smart enough, once the princess finds Moses, gets paid to look after him. That's not a bad deal, getting paid to look after your own son. Um, so Jochebed, you got Hannah, who, who prayed to God, you know, give me a son and I'll give him back to you. And then she did that, that thing. She gave him back. He becomes the great prophet of Israel, Hannah. you got Timothy's mum from the New Testament, who Paul boasts on. And all these ladies have great credentials. But I reckon there was one mum greater in the Bible, and we're going to be talking about her this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I just thank you uh, for this word to our hearts this morning. There's something in this for everyone this morning. And I just pray that, that even as I have been, we're all inspired this morning by this lady who I believe is the greatest mum 
of the Bible as we talk about her and look into what made her what made her the greatest mum this morning. I pray that you bring revelation to all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, some of your heads might have already gone there, but but I'm thinking, like, let's just put your God hat on this morning. Just pretend you're God for a second. All right? So just if you pretend you're God for a second and you're um and you, your only son is coming to earth, you, you know, you're going to pick the time in history that the greatest mum of all time ever lived, right? If you're God, you'd be smart enough to do that. So I reckon that the greatest mum that ever lived, because chosen by God to be the mother of his only son. I reckon Mary has got to be an, a, a starter for the greatest mum in the Bible. So we're talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. But why did God choose her is the good question. What was it about Mary that, that, that was God said, you know that girl? She'd make a good mum for my son. What was it about Mary that made it so God would choose her? And today I just want to talk about two insights or two thoughts um, that I believe made her the greatest mum for the Son of God. And if we could just show up Luke chapter 1, um, we're going to read from verse 28. There's always some interesting stuff. Um, oh, is that the right verse? Okay. All right, I might have to read you something else. I think I've given the guys at the back. Um, oh, no, that might be it. All right, we'll just read this one anyway. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. And we'll just read that to the end, Aiden. So we'll keep going to the next one. She was thoroughly shaken. This is Mary. Wondering what was behind a greeting like that. So just pause there for a second. You would wonder, wouldn't you? Like when an angel rocks up and says, gee, you're, you know, you're beautiful. You're in beautiful inside and out. You'd be going, I wonder what sort of greeting this is when an angel rocks up at me doorstep and says that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing. To, just don't go to the next slide. You, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. Now, that's an interesting thing to say. God has a surprise for you. I don't know if it was Mother's Day, but what do you think she was thinking? Flowers, perhaps? Chocolates? Maybe she was thinking Mary had, God had some, some other sort of gift or maybe a holiday at the coast in, in, in mind. If you were to create a list of everything that went through Mary's head in that moment, I guarantee you the next sentence is the last thing. Verse 31. You'll become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. When you're a teenager, that's kind of not what you're hoping the angel's going to say. When Gabriel said God has a surprise for you, I tell you, Gabriel was not joking. That was definitely a surprise. Verse 32, he will be great, be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And the last one, he will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mary's got a surprise. Like, I think that Gabriel got that right. And, and then she's, he's like, you know, you're going to be pregnant, so you're going to become a mum. And now that's all of a sudden scary. So imagine the mixed emotions for that last thing. He's going to be, you know, this amazing person. He's going to be, you know, rescue the nations. Imagine, have, have you ever thought, you know, that is mixed emotions right there. That is... I'm not sure how we're going to process this. What's going on? And we're going to be talking about that just a little bit in a second. But the first thing I want, the first thought is this, 
How did Mary become the mother of Jesus? And the first thought is, Mary had already found favour with God. God's already found faith. It wasn't like God says this and then she's like, oh, I better get my life right and start reading my Bible. If you're going to be Jesus' son, you better have a bit of a clue what's going on in the book. No, no. Mary was chosen for this great task because she already had favor with God. And, um, you know, I I love how the the message actually says it, and and I'm not sure which version we ended up with there, but it said, Gabriel said to Mary, "You you have an inward beauty and an outward beauty. Did you notice that? There's something going on in there. It was like an, a God-ordained beauty that she had. And this was true, you know, before, you know, when you knew mama, when you become like, it's like that glow thing. This is, this is pre that. This is pre that. And, and it can be a bit hard to define what that is. So obviously there was this, this beauty or this glow about Mary, even before this had happened. And I'll never forget a number of years ago here at, here at church. It was so many years ago. It wasn't the previous building. It was a building before that. And we had this, this person who joined the church, and, um, and they were in this really, I suppose, tough part of their life, and they'd come to church, and they'd, they'd sit head down and forlorn and wouldn't look up and just always sad. Like they just had this really, you know, you've met people that just it's this 24-7 sad countenance um, that was kind of like just this, this negative vibe they were giving off constantly and I remember just after you know probably a number of months I can't remember the time frame involved but I remember this I remember saying to this person I said you know and they they, so basically in that period of time they just started to go after God they started reading their word they started praying this person had been you know a believer in God maybe their whole life but this is they'd arrived in this state and they got to started coming along and getting involved with stuff and and I remember never forget saying this to this person because I didn't really know how to articulate it. You know, when you, you want to tell something to someone, but there's no English. And I just didn't really know, a bit like we're talking about with, with Mary there and with this beauty, it's a bit hard to articulate. But I said to this guy, I said, you look different. And it's not the haircut. You just look different. There's something about you. It's almost like this, this story, the, where, what Mary is like, it's almost like there was a glow there. It had gone from like just a, just a, I don't know whether it was a joy that just is in your face. This is quite amazing. I said, you look different. I can't describe what that means, but you just look different. It's God. It's God. And you see it, I think you see, we see it particularly in young people. Young people in love with Jesus glow. Have you ever noticed that? People in love with Jesus. There's just something. And this was Mary, but I see this all the time. People in love with Jesus. There's just a glow about them. There's just something you can't put your finger on. But it, maybe it's just a bit of, bit of love, joy, and peace. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that knowing that it's all going to be okay. And there's something, there's something in that. There's something in that. I'm not, again, I'm not talking about coming to church or calling yourself a Christian. I'm talking about embracing the Savior. I'm talking about being in love with the Savior. And it just does stuff to you. And uh, in, in Revelation chapter 2, we'll, we'll throw this up. I'll read this one from the screen too. In Revelation chapter 2, um, this is Paul, uh, John. Actually, he's talking to the, um, to the church in Ephesus. Um, so actually, God's telling John to write this down. Write this to Ephesus, to the angel of the church. This is really just a message to the church. The one with seven stars in his right fist grip, striding through the golden seven light circle speaks. So it's basically saying, God, I see what you've done. Your hand, your hard work, your refusal to quit. I know you can't stomach evil, that you weed out apostolic pretenders. 
verse 3. So he's given them a rap here. He's given this church a rap. He says, I know your persistence, your courage in my cause that you'll never wear out. Just pause there because yeah, yeah, that's okay. Just because I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, when we're talking about downpour, I was actually using that as an intro just to talk quickly about downpour. I'm going to do that now. So last weekend we had a youth camp, right? And, and when I heard your persistence, your hard work, it just reminded me again because that's the lead up to our youth camp downpour. Um, so some of you might not be aware, but we, we joined with a couple other churches. There's three churches that put on this youth event in the southwest. We had about 230 registered youth came along to that camp, probably about 270 people I've heard over the weekend, adults, leaders, helpers, that at this camp at Hannaford, which is in the middle of nowhere on the weekend, last weekend. But here's the thing, all that persistence, all that hard work, all that perseverance, all that years that people like Colin and Jess have put in to, to, for that camp, this is the result of it. Part of the result is me sitting here on Saturday morning thinking, how good is it that my kids are at a camp like Downpour in the presence of God on Friday night, on Saturday morning, and then on Saturday morning again, and then on Saturday night, and then on Sunday morning again, and then on Sunday night, just going after the presence of God. And I got to see that on Sunday night. I drove down there. But on Sunday night, this is a bit I want to announce to the church because I mentioned it on DNA this week, but I forgot I hadn't announced it in church yet. 58 young people gave their hearts to Jesus last Sunday night at this camp. 58 young people. 58 young people went to camp like this, worried about stuff. You know, there's all this stuff on TV. They all have social media. We, when I was in primary school, we didn't worry about stuff because kids back then didn't watch the news for a start. Like, that was a complete waste of time. We weren't even watching the sport much. You know, you'd have to wait till the, you know, the sport's on for the last five, five minutes of the news or whatever. We'd wait till then and we didn't watch the news and we didn't care. We just didn't care. But now young people, there's so much going on in the world. They would have come to camp like that and then 58 of them have left, lifting up their heads with that glow. Hey, you know what? I know the Saviour. I know the Saviour. And obviously a lot of them kids went to camp already in that space. And then on, so this is on the Sunday night and 40, 40 young people, odd, I don't know the exact number, but 40 odd young people baptised in the Holy Spirit, praying for people, prophesying. I've talked to parents since that have told me their son or daughter, I can't remember, was baptised in the Holy Spirit that night and started prophesying over somebody. Talk about a Holy Spirit glow. How good is that? 40 young people committed to water baptism last weekend. Persistence, hard work, paying off. Amazing story, amazing journey. Anyway, that was a little bit of a sidestep side there. And in verse 3, I know your position, your courage in, in my cause that you'll never wear out. Verse 4, but you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? How far do we get in that? Yep, keep, just keep running them through. Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? A Lucifer fall, turn back, recover your dear early love. No time to waste, for I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. And there God is saying to this church, hey, you're doing all this stuff, but it's the love thing. Why did God choose Mary? Why did God choose Mary? She had a heart after God. God's like, if, if I'm going to pick one person to be this mum, it's got to be someone with a heart after God. And I'd say this to you this morning, there's no better way to set yourself up as a mum than be in love with Jesus. There's nothing more you could do. Be in love with Jesus. And the second thought, I've only got two thoughts for you this morning. My second thought is this. Mary was submitted to the will of the heavenly Father. Throw that next verse up for me. 
Aiden, she was committed, submitted to the will of her heavenly father. Oh, no, we must be missing one. I'm just going to read it out. Verse 38, Mary's response to Gabriel was this. Let it be, is it up there now? Yes, I'm the Lord's handmaid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. Then the angel left, left her blessed among women. And another version says this, let it be according to your will. Let it be according to your will. I just think, what an amazing woman. This angel has turned up and completely turned her world upside down like you would not believe. God knew she would respond this way, by the way. And Mary says, let it be as your will. What an amazing thing to say. Now, I'm sure in that moment, Mary wasn't unaware what it would mean if she was known to be pregnant and not married. But this was a big deal back then. This was a massive deal. This was a deal that would put you on the outer in a big way, totally ostracized. Mary said this, let it be as your will. And I think something, see, when you're in love, see, this is the thing, and we think about that and go, what a big call. What a big call, Mary. How did you make that call? I'm going to help you out this morning. I'll tell you how Mary made that call. Because when you're in love, in our case, in, in, with Jesus, and you know God like Mary knew God, this is what you know. This, this might be news for some people, but this is what you know. There is no better place for you to be than in the will of God. It is the perfect place for you to be. It's the only totally safe place. So for Mary to go, well, you know what? She, she knew God. She had this radiance. There was this beauty in her and out. She knew God. And so when God turns up and says, I'm going to totally muck up your world, Mary goes, well, I suppose that's going to be the best place for me to be. That's going to be the best place for me to be. And sometimes, I wrote this, sometimes we think, no, God, don't ask me to do that. No, God, don't ask me to go there. No, God, don't ask me to do this thing. Totally unaware that it is absolutely the best place for us to be. Isn't that an amazing thought? You know, I, I don't know what would happen. I don't know what would happen. I've got no clue. But what if Mary said, no, I don't think so. Not this little back duck. You know what I mean? We certainly wouldn't be talking about Mary today. She wouldn't have been, you know, wandering around Galilee with her. Imagine the proud mum moment, right? Imagine wandering around Galilee or she's at the supermarket and people are just having a little chat, not knowing who's behind them in the line and the queue. Did you hear what Jesus did yesterday? Who is this guy? Have you heard the things that Jesus was saying last week, you know, in the Sermon on that Mountain? Here's some, of the, here's some of the crazy stuff that Jesus, it's life-changing. And she's just here hearing about her son. And then someone else is like, you know, maybe this, the checkout chick. And she's like, my, my son was, 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 was lame and now he can walk. This is crazy. Imagine being Mary in, the, in that environment in Israel in that year, in that time. Imagine what it was like for her. Just have the whole nation is like all about what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was bringing and who Jesus was. And the whole thing for her had come when she said yes to Jesus. Because here's the thing if she didn't say yes to Jesus, someone else would have. Someone else would have. That's what they said to Esther. We mentioned Esther at the start. 
And, and, and Mordecai, her uncle, comes to her and says, you know what, you've got this great opportunity to save the nation, but just be aware someone's going to save it. It doesn't matter about who. Saying yes to Jesus is the most powerful thing you can say. It's the safest place to be. And the payoff is huge. And the thing is, until you get to know God, until you get to know Jesus, you can't get into that place. The greatest mama who's ever lived, who, 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 who knows God so well, that she says, you know what, if that's what you want for me, if that's where you want me to be, that's going to be the best thing for me. She has the confidence. It's just amazing, amazing. Imagine the feelings in her heart as things are happening. So when we pass on, when we say no to God, I often wonder, what are we, what are we really saying no to? It didn't sound like a great thing. They're like, you're going to get pregnant soon, like, doesn't re- in the first instance, it's not like it's feels like a hospital pass, really. It's like this is not going to end well for me. And we think that way, but when we say no to God, I'm wondering sometimes what we're saying no to. What are we really saying no to? I think the greatest mum who ever lived understood how to answer those questions. And so I think that Mary's path to become the greatest mum who ever lived was actually a simple one. And it started at some point, we don't know too much about her earlier life, but it started at some point when she just decided, you know what, I'm just going to get to know God. I'm just really going to get to know God. I'm going to know who God is. And that led her to this response, whatever, according to your will. I think, is there anything more powerful that a mum could say? Would you stand with me this morning? I just want to ask you this morning, not just mums, not just mums, but I want to ask us all this morning, what's Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? What's he been saying to you this week? What's, what's something you might, you might have been saying no to that maybe you should have been saying yes to? That's a good question, isn't it? What is it? What is God saying? What are the things? If you're journaling, if you're part, you know, if you're part of one of our discipleship groups and you're journaling, what keeps coming up? What does God keep saying to you when you're journaling and you're just like, ah, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what I should do about that. Well, take a line, take a leaf. I would suggest, I would encourage you to take a leaf out of the book of the greatest mum in history. And why don't you say this, God? It's this to God. Lord, let it be according to your will. Can I pray with you guys this morning? Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We just thank you. What a privilege and an honor just to stand here this morning in your house and be able to worship you and honor you, Lord God. And I was just saying to someone just this week and just, just spending time, you know, been, been so blessed most of my life. I've, I've been able to spend in most Sundays of my life. I've been here listening to your word. And it saved me from so much stuff over the years. I find enough, I can make enough trouble by myself. But, Lord God, you keep coming to our rescue. Keep coming to our rescue. And that's why you came. Lord God, this morning, I just, I even think right now of our communion message. I, I, look, I honestly think for some of us it's time to play the king card. So that was such a great message. We can always play the king card. What I want us to do this morning, just close your eyes and have you comfortable, but I just... 
I just this Mother's Day. What a, I just love Mother's Day. It just reminds me that of, of selflessness is what it reminds me of. It challenged me in. But Lord God, I just ask this morning. I, I, I pray that you just drop something in our spirit. In what area of our lives are you asking us to play the king card? Oh, Jesus, Holy Spirit. I pray that you challenge us, Lord. Give, it, give us that heart that Mary had to just, to just chase after you and your presence and to have the audacity to say, just, Lord, according to your word, according to your word. Just right across this room right now, just, just be asking. I'm just going to give you a second. I'm not going to do anything else this morning. I'm just going to give you a second to ask that in your own heart. Don't wait for the angel to come to the door. You can do this today. Lord, what are you asking of me? Jesus. What, what in my life is, is it needs that king card to be played? Anytime, it says, in the rules apparently. Anytime you can play the king card. I love it. Oh, Jesus. Well, God, I pray that you just seal that now, just by the power of your Holy Spirit right across this room as, as people have been just asking you, just nice 